Hi, friends. How are we doing? Oh, I'm glad you came to church today. You're going to be glad. You want to know why? Because you're not going to hear from me. No, no, really. Okay, I do like a little love. So thank you. But uh, today, you get to hear from a very old friend of mine. And his name is Brian White. So, um, we're speaking about small groups. Some 27 years ago, I was a part of, of a small group with Brian White. And we met at least weekly. And over time, that small group is who planted a little church called Capital Church in Salt Lake City. And Brian was Capital's first youth pastor. You see, Brian and Lindsay, his wonderful wife, uh, went to school with Suzanne and me. And so we were in college together like five, six years ago. And, and uh, we, we knew, and we've, over the years, uh, just found this, this couple and their family to be wonderful, life-giving spiritual friends. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about spiritual friendship. A spiritual friend is someone who helps you pay attention to God. Someone who helps you to uh, find strength in God. And you get today to hear from one of my spiritual friends. And I'm so glad you get to be here to do that. Before Brian comes, let's take a moment. Let's invite God to speak. Lord, I pray to, in this moment, you quiet our hearts. May we hear your voice clearly. No matter where we are in this spiritual journey, Lord, I pray every person in the room feels the gentle squeeze of your hand in ours. May we know you're with us. And may we hear your voice so that it shapes the way we think and feel and act tomorrow. I pray in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Good morning. <clears throat> well, let me start by thanking your pastor for the invitation. Um, in many ways, this is like, um, I don't know, like a nostalgic uh, homecoming of sorts, um, being back and seeing you and watching you and listening to you worship. It's just an honor to be here. Uh, we're delighted, my family and I. Um, let me introduce you to them. Um, this is my wife, Lindsay, in the center next to me, um, and I'll have her stand. Honey, if you could just stand up and kind of wave at us. There she is. And our little one, Annie, is right there as well. Come on, Annie, wave, wave out of there. She is. <clears throat> but our daughter, Ella, is on this side. Uh, she is a junior um, at a school in Alabama. Our son, Noah, is on this side. He just grew a millimeter taller than his dad. Okay, so if you see him, he'll tell you that. And uh, you obviously met Annie. Uh, Noah's down with the youth right now, so he's excited about that. And again, we're just thrilled to be here. Thrilled to, to see what's happening at Capitol. Uh, thrilled to just kind of feel what God's doing and uh, really excited about it. You know, I don't even know how many years, uh, probably decade plus, it's been since I've been in this room. And quite frankly, it's probably been two decades since I've been on this stage. It's very, it's very odd to me. I'm thrilled and excited to be here. Um, I've already seen some friends from the early days. 
that have come up to me. You know what's fascinating? It's fascinating to me that you don't see somebody for 26 years and then in a nanosecond, your mind recognizes them and you like embrace. Anybody have that happen? Like, how does our mind do that? It's amazing. So to all the old friends, the early ones, uh, it's great to see you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to talk about sort of a topic uh, around this theme of listen up, God speaks. Can you say that with me today? Can you say listen up, God speaks? Well done. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, just a little bit of the setting, this is the call of the prophet Samuel. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, Samuel was a pretty important figure in the Old Testament. He was a pretty important prophet in the history of Israel. Samuel becomes the prophet that anoints a little boy named David. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you realize that David might become king and one of the most successful kings in Israel's history. And so Samuel chapter uh, 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. It's striking to me that as we introduce the prophet Samuel, there is this, there's this sentence that if you really read it and think about it, it, it's kind of alarming. The word of the Lord is rare in those days. There's no, there's no vision. God's voice is rare and, and, and seeing what he's doing is rare in those days. You know, I, I'm not sure that God wasn't speaking, but I'm pretty sure through this sentence that the people and the priests specifically, they weren't listening. Everybody say, listen up. up. God speaks. speaks. Mm -hmm. So the situation in Israel in this moment is dire. And I want to rewind the tape just a little bit to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's look at what's happening in the history of Israel at this moment. There's no voice. There's no sight. God seems to be distant. And I'm not sure if you can relate to that. Have you ever been there? You ever found yourself maybe driving down the road, kind of praying, kind of saying, and I loved Suzanne's words this morning, kind of protesting, God, where are you? Where's your voice? I I can't hear you. Do you have sight? Do you have vision for me? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, without vision, the people, and I love this translation, run amok. I know that if I want to slim down and get in shape, what I have to do is I have to sign up for a triathlon six months in advance, so I'll have a vision for the future of a starting line. Anybody with me? Anybody like that? And once I sign up and pay the money for the triathlon, then I'll get my act together. That's essentially what it means to say, without vision, people perish or run amok. Without a vision, there's nothing to guide us. And so in this moment, the word of God and his vision for the people were rare. So let's rewind. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. This is speaking of Eli the priest's sons. And it says this, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. Well, that's pretty blunt. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. It goes on to verse 17. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. 
For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Basically what that means is these two young men, the, the sons of Eli the priest, they treated the, the, um, the regulations, the offering, the, the ways in which you were to worship, the forms and the structure, they, tra- they, they treated it with contempt. They didn't honor it. For Samuel 2.22, just a couple verses down. Now, Eli was very old. Again, Eli the priest. And he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel. And how they lay with women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings with all the people. No, my sons, Eli said, it is not good. It is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. Verse 25, if someone sins against man, God will mediate for him. Listen to this phrase, church. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? And I don't know if you can see that next phrase on the screen, but look what it says. But they would not what? They would not listen. They would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now that last phrase there, there's a lot going on. So if we can this morning, can we set that aside, okay? And let's just keep going with this story. There's a lot there. First Samuel 2.34, it says this, And this shall come upon your two sons. This is now the Lord speaking through a prophet to Eli the priest. And this shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Everybody know who that faithful priest is? Jesus, right? Even back in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible begins to unfold God's desire to bring a faithful prophet, priest, and king. He will raise up, it says in verse 35, a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. Now, look, the whole point of this brief history lesson was this. I wanted to paint a picture for you of how dire the situation is when God's word is rare. I love history. My son and I love, actually, we love World War II history. Love to learn about it, study it, love to watch documentaries about it. And, and if you look at the history of Israel in this point, it is not good, First Samuel 3, 1, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So let me ask you a question this morning, church. And I'm going to ask it of myself. I want you to know, and, and I'll unfold our story a little bit for you. I want you to know that this word today, it's, it's very personal for my wife and I. But let me ask this question. Why can't I hear? Why can't I hear God's voice? Why can't you hear God's voice? Several years ago, our church in New Jersey, I, I left uh, Salt Lake City to marry my wife. Um, which was a good decision, baby. All right. And uh, our church, like Capital, was very involved in global mission. And we would take trips to Africa, Rwanda. We would take trips to El Salvador many, many times. And so I was on a trip with about 30 of us to El Salvador. 
And we had different components of the trip, a construction and an evangelism team and a medical team. And the medical team happened to have my mom on the team. She's a medical professional her whole career. And so she's there. They go to the clinic one day and this older gentleman is brought into her her treatment room there and he's deaf, can't hear, trying to describe that, right? And so she just begins to do a very simple examination of his ears. And I'm not going to tell you what she pulled out of his ear canal on both sides, but you can imagine. She begins to kind of methodically clean his ears, you know, moisture, whatever that is. And, and all of a sudden, boom, a miracle happens. Guess what it was? He could hear. Have you ever seen someone's face that couldn't hear, but then does hear? Like it was a miracle. Now for most of us, it's actually not a miracle. It's just basic hygiene. But for him, it changed his life. It's important that you and I can hear. Can I get an amen for that? Listen up. God speaks. Say it with me. Listen up. God speaks. Yeah. So I would just say this older gentleman in El Salvador, his entire life was changed. Just by hearing. Why can't I hear? Why can't I hear? Why is the voice of God rare in my life? Let me ask you the direct question. Is the voice of God rare in your life? Some of you are sitting there going, who did Pastor Troy bring in, man? Who is this guy? Well, let me uh, ask you another question and I'll ask it of myself. Why can't I see? See, the voice of the Lord was rare, but there was no frequent vision. In our church in New Jersey, we had a gentleman named Fred. It's such a generous man. He owned a um, kind of a boutique glasses shop in a little uh, historic town, and he had an optometrist on staff. And so every once in a while, Fred would text me <clears throat> and just say this, Hey, Pastor Brian, uh, it's time for some new glasses. It was just super kind. I make an appointment, I go down, they do a little eye exam, and they, he'd give me, and, and I'm telling you, I would never purchase, I would never pay for some of the glasses that he gave me, so generous. But I want you to know, I have two pairs of sunglasses and four pairs of normal glasses, and every single, single one of them have a different prescription. Like it's in fury, like every time I put on, I'm like, anybody with me, anybody know what I mean? And I'm getting to that point where actually the last time I was there, they did like transition, I know I look 28, but I'm not, okay? And anyway, and, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I couldn't do it because I just felt like I couldn't see. Why can't we see? Why is there no frequent vision in our lives? Well, now we're, we're going to fast forward from 1 Samuel 3 to Matthew 13. So turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. Matthew 13, we're going to read what I think is one of my favorite parables, but it's interesting because this parable is the first parable that Jesus taught. It's the first recorded parable in Matthew, and I don't know about you, but when things happen the first time in the scripture, I think we should pay attention, maybe in a unique way. First things matter, okay? And so this is the first parable that Jesus teaches. Matthew 13, verse 1, it says this, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. A great crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. 
So there are so many people there that he gets out into a little boat and he goes out and he's beginning to teach. And he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. Now what that means is a farmer in his field had a big basket, a, a, a big sling around him and would take handfuls of the seed and walk through his fields. Okay, don't think John Deere tractor, okay? So this is what he would do. And he would walk up and down his fields and he would sow his seed kind of an agricultural society in first century. And he was, he, Jesus was telling a story that fit right into their understanding. As he sowed, as the farmer sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky soil where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up, sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Verse six, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they're And since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 8. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And look at verse 9. What does Jesus say? He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I got to be honest, when, I, when I'm reading this passage of Scripture, and I'm thinking about this message today, I'm thinking honestly about our lives, my wife and I and family's life, those words, he who has ears, let him hear, just, I don't know, it just resounded. It just rang in my ears, and I immediately thought of Samuel. I thought of this idea of the word of the Lord being rare. But Jesus said these words, he who has ears, let him hear. Can you say the words with me? Listen up. God speaks. speaks. So Jesus tells this really cool story and it's about a farmer and four types of soil and the seed hit it and we'll examine it in a minute. But let me tell you a little bit about our family. So I I left Capitol in Salt Lake City in the the Wasatch Mountains for New Jersey. Okay, Um, and it was worth it. It was God's plan. I took Lindsay out on a date that first week we were there and I said to her, Honey, I just want you to know I can never live here. How many of you know, never say never, right? 21 years later, we pastored at the same church. We were youth pastors, worship pastors, and then for the last 11 years, lead pastors. And for many, many years, it had been in my heart to come back to the Mountain West. And um, to be honest with you, there were times I've, I've kind of fought with God. Times I was disappointed times that I felt like opportunities that were given to my wife and I, we just had to obediently say yes. And I could tell you the story and it's, it's lengthy, but the story sort of climaxes in this moment. It's January of 21. So we sort of navigated through all that COVID had brung and we're in a season of prayer and fasting. And on day five of that, laying in my office floor in my home, I felt like the God, I felt like God spoke to me. I don't mean audibly necessarily, but but here's what he said to me. He said to me, it's okay to go. Now, I would have preferred like, Brian, it's okay to go. You know, like, come on, Lord, give me a little. He simply said, it's okay to go. And that started a chain of events where we turned our church over to one of my executive pastors, a younger man on my team for eight years, a friend of mine for 20 
And we passed that baton of leadership and we sold our homes, sold our cars, gave away all of our, most of our stuff, put some in storage, bought an RV and hit the road. We've been living on the road for two years. And the reason this message is personal to me is because we have literally been driving around America asking God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, what do you have next for us? Like, like, what do you have? Could you speak? And I don't have time this morning to take you through the highs and the lows, but they, there were many. There were some wonderful highs and some quite honestly, discouraging lows, emotional lows, trying to discern. And quite honest, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have an end to the story yet, but I want you to know that we are in this season. Jesus, give us ears to hear. Everybody say, listen up. God speaks. You see how that's a statement of faith? Man, listen up. God speaks. He wants to speak to you. I know it's easy to believe for somebody else that God wants to speak to them, but he actually wants to speak to you too. And I know we stand back and go, oh, not me. You don't know where I've been, what I've done, what I've said. Mm, You're right, I don't know. But I want you to listen up because God speaks. And he wants to speak to you. So we spent two summers in Sun Valley in our RV, camping in the woods down by the river. And we literally did. Um... And one of my, uh, I don't know, lifelong dreams was to take my family backpacking in the mountains. And so we went up to the Sawtooth uh, Range outside of Stanley, and we got all the gear, and we bought it on clearance, and we got the boots and the backpack and the Gore-Tex shells and the tents and the stove and all the water filter and all the Got it all ready, drove up to the mountains, parked the car, and hiked up to a lake called Alpine Lake. Got there, and those dads, come on, dads in the room, you know, that is exhausting, like gearing up your kids, come on, right? Um, so we get there, set up camp, make dinner, and I am exhausted. And when I'm tired, this is how I like to sleep. Anybody sleep with one of these? Man, I just love it. I don't know what happens. Like the world just kind of goes away. And, and look at these, look at these, look at these. Anybody? Come on, come on. Come on, let's start a club, the earplug club, all right? I just, I laid down, got in my sleeping bag. <sighs> Now, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to wear this mask and wear these ear plugs in bear country in the mountains at 10,000 feet. I'm not sure that's a good idea. But listen, about 1130, my wife and I hear this blood curdling scream. Now, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we knew that there was a family about 500, about 50 yards up the, up the lake shore from us. It was a, it was a, a father and his young son. And we hear this scream. Think of this. You're trying to go to sleep. Adrenaline coursing through your veins. You sit up. And it's like... And my wife, brilliant, she says this. She goes, listen, if he only screams once, we're okay. <laughs> she's gorgeous, but she's also got her right here, okay? And, and the implication of that was, if it's a bear, we're going to hear more than one scream, okay? What happened, we went up the next... Morning, and what had happened is his, he and his son were in hammocks, and a deer or an elk of some kind had walked in and ran into his hammock, and he went, you know. So everything was good. 
It may not be the best idea to sleep with a sleeping mask and earplugs in the mountains. But some of us, some of us go through our spiritual lives. And for whatever reason, we've decided to live like this. And I don't know if it's from hurt, pain. I I don't know if it's misunderstanding of God's love. I, I don't know why, but today, can I just beg you to listen up because God speaks and he wants you to live with sight. He, he wants you to hear his voice. Amen? He wants you to. So I, I wonder today if Jesus told this parable, the first parable, and at the end he said, those who have ears, let them hear. I wonder if the people listening would immediately think of Samuel and his calling. Because we know the word of the Lord was rare in those days, but if you go on, I'll quickly tell the story. A little bit later in chapter 3, you know that Samuel is going to sleep, and he hears God call him, and he runs into the priest Eli, and he says, yes, sir, can I help you? And Eli says, Samuel, I didn't call you. Go to bed. And he goes back, and he gets in bed, and another time, Samuel. And Samuel comes up, and he goes into Eli, and says, Eli, what do you need? You want a Pop-Tart, some toast, tea? What do you need? He's like... Samuel, I'm, I'm trying to go to sleep, go back to bed. A third time it happens. This time he runs in to Eli the priest and Eli says, whoa, maybe God is calling you. Isn't it interesting that the mighty, powerful prophet Samuel didn't recognize God's voice the first three times? But we know later in his life, he sure did. We can learn. We can take action that helps us recognize the voice of God. And so Jesus, he's, he's out on the lake. He tells this incredible parable. There's farmers and seed and birds and different types of soil. And he comes back off. Everybody goes home. And in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10, the disciples say this, verse 10. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Basically, the disciples were saying this. We don't understand a word you're saying. We don't get it. Jesus goes on in verse 11 and he says, and he answered them. This is so critical. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Everybody say you, them. Okay, there's two groups of people right now. There's the disciples that Jesus have called and there's the crowd. He spoke the parable to both, to both groups. But then he said this, to you, disciples, it has been given to understand, but to the crowd, it has not been given. You see, the the crowd is the unresponsive group. They wander and don't see. They hear, but don't understand. They're not repentant. They're, They're not connected. The disciples, on the other hand, and we know they're knuckleheads. Amen. I mean, if you read the Bible, okay. So it's, but they're responsive. They want to follow. They're not good at it, but they try. And so their eyes begin to open, their ears begin to be attentive, their heart tender to what God is doing. Church, we got to listen up because God speaks. Amen? Amen? Listen up, God speaks. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 14, the next verse is, now this is fascinating to me. 
that Jesus would tell this parable and then he would say, those who have ears, let them hear. And then he says this in chapter 13, verse 14, Jesus speaking, indeed in their case, the crowd's case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their, and with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And here's the key, and understand with their heart. What does hearing mean? What is seeing? It means understand with your life, your soul, your heart, what God is wanting to do and say. And if you understand with your heart, look what he says in verse 15, they would turn and I would heal them. Turn is this idea of repent. Jesus goes on in verse 16 now, and he's talking to the disciples, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets, listen to this, so cool, many prophets and religious people longed to see what you see. Samuel, Eli, Isaiah, King David, King Psalm, they longed to see what these knuckleheads were seeing. They longed to hear what they were hearing. You see, in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord was rare. But in this moment, the word of the Lord was right there with them. The word of God, incarnate, in the flesh, bringing sight and bringing hearing. Jesus is talking about himself. And he's encouraging them, guys, listen up, God speaks, I'm here. So the question is, how can we live in such a way as to see and hear clearly? Now, I think Jesus was teaching us in this parable how to do just that. So let's examine it briefly here today. There are four types of soil. Remember, the farmer, he's scattering the seed. The first type of soil, the soil type, is the path. And when I think of soil, think of dirt, think of hiking trails maybe you've been on recently. What happens to a path? Well, here's what happens. When multiple people walk on dirt, it becomes what? Packed down. I mean, it turns into asphalt, essentially. And what happens when seed hits asphalt? Nothing. Nothing happens. Exactly, it bounces. The wind blows it. The birds come and snatch it away. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He said this in verse 19, Matthew 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So let me give you a, a practice, a cultivating, a you know, you know what a tiller is? Anybody know what a tiller is? Okay. A tilling practice for your soul. Maybe your soul, heart, life in some way connect with this idea of the first soil type, the path. Maybe your life has been trampled down. Maybe your heart's hard. Maybe you've been betrayed, falsely accused, rejected, abused, humiliated, etc., and if you were honest, you would say, I have a hard heart towards the things of God. Well, I want to tell you that the cultivating practice, it's such an easy word to say. It is such a difficult thing to live out. And the word is this, forgiveness. 
forgiveness. Say, Pastor Brian, how do I forgive? Great question. There's no simple answer. I would say this, that it is daily surrender before God. In Matthew 24 and verse 10, it says this, and then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Luke 17, verse 1. Then the disciples said, it is impossible that no offense should come. Look, betrayal, offense, these things, they're normative for a human. The question is, what are we going to do about it? By God's grace, his help, can we daily pray? As, as we were traveling here, I was telling my son a story about my brother and I, um, Going up, I think it was in Big Cottonwood Canyon many, many years ago, and we had decided that uh, we were going to hike up a little ways and make a snow cave and sleep in it. Now, needless to say, it didn't work out well, okay? But do you know how you build a snow cave? You, you take your snowshoes, and what do you do? You find a nice patch of deep, fresh snow, and what do you do to the snow? Pack it. Until this fluffy, white, wonderful, world-renowned Utah powder becomes concrete. And that's what can happen to our souls. So I would encourage you, an event, a person, whatever has happened in your past, daily, God, give me the grace. Through your Holy Spirit, let me forgive. And here's, here's what I can promise you. The way you know you have forgiven is one day you're going to be driving down the road, you're going to be at a traffic light, it's red, you're sitting there, I don't know, you're listening to whatever. And all of a sudden you think of that person, think of that event, and all the angst and pain is gone. It's in that moment that you've forgiven. The second type of soil is rocky. It's rocky. One translation says shallow. And so Jesus teaches the disciples the interpretation, essentially, of the parable, verse 20, Matthew 13. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Notice they hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. Yet has no root. There's no depth. A root provides stability, nourishment, hydration, there's no root. They receive the word. They come to capital. They hear Troy's incredible messages and they go, yippee! And then it says, verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and per persecution arise on account of the word, it immediately, he falls away. Yippee on Sunday and back down in the doldrums on Monday. That's a rocky heart. That's somebody who needs this cultivating practice to provide depth. And I would say, here's the cultivating practice. It, it may sound silly, but I believe it's helpful. And, and the practice is this, attention. Did you know that our world is after your attention? From a billboard to TikTok, right? The world is clamored. They want and they monetize our attention, right? They're after your attention. And I got to tell you, if you have a shallow heart, if you have a rocky heart, you need to give God some attention. And I'll tell you, I kind of, I hope I'm not talking too fast from Jersey, but, but listen, I kind of move at a fast pace. And so one of the practices that I've done is to journal. And it's very simple. I take the word of God. I bring out my journal with paper, 
Anybody remember paper journals? Okay. With the pencil and lead. Okay. And I slowly write out the verses that I'm reading. And you're like, man, that's inefficient. Yes. I could type way faster. But what it does is it slows me down and it puts my attention on God's word. And so then all of a sudden as you're writing, you're thinking about different stories, maybe in the Old or New Testament, you're circling, I'm circling words, underlying. All of a sudden, God begins to speak to you through his word. So if your morning looks like this, alarm off, pop tart, out the door, drop the kids, maybe we need to get up and give God some attention. He will develop you in that way. Listen up. God wants to speak. God speaks. Amen? Amen. All right. Third soil. Everybody with me? All right. Almost done. Third soil is this, the soil with thorns. It says that this soil is thorny and it literally choke. Everybody say choke. Choke. Come on. Say it in the back row. Choke. You didn't say it bad there. Okay. Um, It says that the thorns grow up around this this young sapling and choke it out in Matthew 13 22 as for what was sown among thorns this is the one who hears the word notice they hear the word but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful some of us have thorns in our soul (laughs) and I would just I, I would use this word Distraction. I, I know it kind of connects with the last one, but we're so distracted, distracted. We're so scattered. The, the word of God it begins to grow, and there's just so many other things clamoring, and it chokes out what God wants to do. The cultivating practice here. This is what I would ask you to think about: is fasting. Now you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to do forty days in the desert first. Okay, you can start small, a meal. A day. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Turn off something. Amen? Can somebody say amen to that? Right? If your phone beeps and bings, please turn that off. Okay? Right? We give our attention to so many things that are just silly. So we fast. And we drink water. And we turn things off. And we pay attention to our souls. And I'll tell you what. You may ask me, do you like to fast? No, I don't like to fast. It's horrible. (laughs) But all of a sudden, the things begin to come up and you pay attention. Here's what happens. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And prayer connects us with God. So if you're genuinely saying today, God, speak to me. I need your voice. I need your direction. I need your vision. I would encourage you, fasting disconnects you and prayer connects you. The final soil type is this. Number four, it's the good soil. The good soil. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and another 30. This is the heart that has been cultivated, cared for, 
is in relationship with spiritual friends, is, is in, uh, in, a, in a progression through spiritual disciplines, is connected to the local body of Christ. This is somebody that's doing their best. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But they're producing and they're yielding fruit. In Ephesians chapter 1, final scripture, and then I want to pray for us. And the message paraphrases this is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. This is Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus. It, it reads this way, I ask. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. That's a sermon series. It goes on. Your eyes focused and clear. Vision. So that you can see, and I love this word, everybody say exactly. Exactly. So that you can see exactly what God is calling you to do. Very personally, I need to see exactly what God is calling me to do. And then grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Amen? Capital Church, listen up. God speaks. He speaks to you. He wants to speak to you. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Here's what I want to ask before I turn it back to Troy, very simply. I just want to ask today if there's somebody here that would say, one of these soil types is mine. I I, I feel like maybe I'm full of thorns and distraction. Maybe I'm shallow, right? Maybe there's been great offense in your life by people you love. I don't know, and you're here, and I just want to pray. I believe there's power in prayer. I just want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Christ. You've never uttered from your mouth the words, I surrender. If you're here this morning and you want me to include you in this prayer, could I just see your hand? Could I see your hand? Yeah, there's lots of hands. (laughs) Lots of hands. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would rush in and help us. We need you. We need you. We need your mercy, your grace, your help. God, would you, would you cultivate the soul, uh, the soil of our souls? Would you change us? Would you make us receptive? Would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear? That's my prayer. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never, maybe they've never even prayed, I pray that they would whisper those words, I love you, I surrender. And it would start a walk of faith in their life. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are you glad you came to church today? Yes. Yeah. Friends, we need to to listen up. Because God is speaking all the time around us. In fact, if you want a reminder, we're going to make a, this graphic that we've used throughout this message available to you. You can look for it on our website and our social media accounts. You know, here in, in our messages, typically I'll give you some homework, some things to, to work on through the week. But see, Brian embedded it in his message brilliantly. Forgiving, attending, or journaling. 
fasting. These are ways we can cultivate the kind of soil of our soul so we can hear from him. Put these words into practice and see what happens. I do want to give you an assignment, though. This one's from me. I want you to come back tonight, 6.30 p.m., for the One Accord Worship Night. I'm telling you, um, look, this is going to be a gathering of multiple churches around the city. And I'm telling you, first of all, there's nothing like worshiping with God's people outside of our immediate community. Oh, because God's doing great work in this church and that church and this church and that church. And I want you to come and, and be a part of that. But I'm going to be just ridiculously honest with you. It's going to be some ridiculously great music. Some of the best voices you'll hear in this city. And we get to join our voices with their voices in worship. And I want you to join us 6.30 p.m. tonight. Um, and, and for those of you who are watching online, I think we're actually going to stream it on our YouTube account. So be watching for that too if you can't make it. But that's not an excuse to con- not come. Right? Stand with me. Friends, I'm so glad you came to church today. If you'd like to receive prayer, you can always email us, uh, capitalchurch.com, especially if you're watching online. Let us know how we can pray for you. But if you're here in, in, in worshiping in, in the building today, we'll have some people here at the front to pray for you. So make your way up and find to do so before you leave. This is what I want to pray for all of you. My friends, every day this week, may you stop, look, and listen. May you find the faith to stop whatever you're doing, to pay attention to what God's doing. And in the stillness, may you hear his voice. And as you do, may you listen with your life. Thanks for coming. Grace and peace.